to another edition of the Huskies on the Pros podcast. As always, I'm Brian Dossler here for you for another edition of the show, the 23rd exact episode of the Huskies on the Pros podcast. I'm recording this on Sunday, the 25th, releasing this on Monday, the 26th, as we are in the final week of February, just a couple days left of this month, and we got March right around the corner. So obviously it's an exciting time for college hoops fans, for basketball fans with a tournament just a couple weeks away, but just quite a weekend that Husky fans had starting off with college game day, being at stores, my favorite moment, there was so many great moments, right? But my favorite moment I think was, was Rip's half court shot. Just, uh, it's just literally the irony, right? When Jay will was, was saying, I got to redeem us for 99. Then you just hear boom, just the ball going through the net crowd, going nuts, rip going nuts giving the respects of the blue blue bloods that UConn deserves. Very dumb that anyone doesn't think UConn's a blue blood. Anyways, that's a different story for a different day. Well, Richard Hamilton, congrats to him on being on, on having his jersey retired up in stores. He now has number 32 retired for both the Pistons and the UConn Huskies now. He got that a few years back in Detroit. Tayshawn Prince was in, was in attendance at Gamble. So just he was getting support all around. Obviously, there was uh, – his former college teammates, Jim Calhoun was there, uh, as I mentioned, Prince. So a lot of love for, for Hamilton and, and a lot of different, uh, different circles there, which is pretty cool for him. Thanks for listening to all these shows, folks. Really appreciate it. If you ever have any feedback on the show, what you like, what you didn't like, maybe on the, for, the, for the Twitter page at Husky Pros, please let me know. Always trying to improve, always trying to have new wrinkles, whatever, just to, to, just to have good content out there for you guys. So please let me know. On today's show, Thanasis Antetokounmpo tries to get in the way of an Andre dunk. Amita Brime is on the verge of a record. We're gonna, I'm going to break down Kevin Alley's first couple games as the Nets interim head coach. Fortunately, it's not that great, but some positivity with Danny Hurley. But we're going to start with Jordan Hawkins. His, his playing time post-All-Star break. We're now three games past the All-Star break. And I uh, got a chance to really watch the Pelicans game, literally recording just minutes after their loss to the Bulls at home uh, against Andre Drummond's Bulls. That was a 114-106 win for Chicago. And before the game, head coach Willie Green for the Pelicans, he said, quote, he will definitely see more minutes tonight, meaning Hawkins will definitely see more minutes tonight. That's because on Friday night and the previous game, there was a fight that broke out between the Heat and the Pelicans, and suspensions came down before the game. Jose Alvarado for three games, Najee Marshall for one game. Both of those guys are two players that come off the bench for the Pelicans and are ahead of the depth chart right now, ahead of Hawkins. So, and they're both guards or both shooters, or you know, they're both they play one two one two three, and CJ McCollum also was out with an ankle injury. He hurt his ankle on Friday. So between suspensions, between injuries, 
feeling pretty good that Hawkins is going to get 20, 25 minutes. And he said he's going to, and Willie Green said he's definitely going to see some minutes, some more minutes tonight. And in that Friday night game against the Heat, Hawkins played the whole fourth quarter because of all. Fight broke out with like 11.45 to go in, in the quarter. So it just allowed Hawkins basically to play basically the final minutes of, of the game. He had 17 minutes in that game. On Sunday, he had 15 minutes against the Bulls. And that's in large part because of a player named Matt Ryan, a second-year player out of Chattanooga. No, it's not the quarterback, Matt Ryan. It is the sniper, Matt Ryan. 41% three-point shooter in 50 NBA career games. And he has been out for nearly three months. He played in the first couple games of the season, but then got elbow surgery. He did return for the post-All-Star break, so he's playing all three games post-All-Star break. But five minutes in the first game, two minutes in the second game, just kind of garbage time minutes. So obviously with these suspensions and injuries, it's not just Hawkins that's going to get more of an opportunity. He also gives guys like Matt Ryan more of an opportunity. And he took it and ran with it. 19 minutes, so four more minutes to Hawkins, but 14 points, five for 10 from the field, four for nine from three. He had this one three-pointer where he – he got it. He drilled it to the corner, fade away, step back three in the corner, looked really, really good. And it's just like, oh, man, that's not what Hawkins needs. Hawkins, eight points, three for seven from the field, two for five from three in 15 minutes. Uh, he had um, a corner three off a nice pass from Ingram. He had a shot fake and got in the lane with a floater off the glass. The Pelicans broadcasters were saying, boy, this kid's just a rookie. And they've said that multiple times this year. But one of the bigger plays in this game was Hawkins. He was driven the ball to the floor, and he was stripped away by Kobe White. Basically, once as soon as Hawkins got over over half court, he was stripped, and White made a heck of a finish on the other end. There should have been a foul called on Hawkins as well, but just not great. We all know that Hawkins is not the best ball handler, and he was just bringing it up as if he was a point guard, nobody else around him. And White took advantage of it and stole away from him. It's it's good to see that he had a better shooting game today because in the previous 10 games, just four for 57 and nine for 39 from three. He's played in 50 games this year. The most he played at, at UConn was 37, of course, 37 going all the way to the championship game. Shooters go through slumps, right? Like Hawkins isn't the first one, obviously. He won't be the last, and, and he'll get out of it. And And he did score 14 points on Friday, but – it took him 17 shots to get. He won four for 17 from the field. But just between inconsistent playing time, maybe not knowing exactly what his role is, he's played 50 games. He played 37 at UConn. The games are longer. The travel, just wear and tear of, of the NBA life. Maybe getting to Hawkins a little bit. Uh, is something that I think every rookie goes through when you're playing these kind of minutes and you're playing back-to-backs, you're playing three games in four days or out of five days. Just something to note, I, I I think he will break out of it. Again, three for seven, two for five, that's an improvement, certainly for, for Hawkins. And the other nice thing, obviously, with it being the Bulls, is I just so happy watching Drummond as well. He had seven points, two for five from the field, three for three from the free throw line, and eight rebounds. And he had a big and one. It was off a – there was a miss, and the ball was kind of tipped around, so he got him a nice dribble move and a layup, and he got fouled for an and one. And that helped the Bulls get a road win and uh, an eight-point road road win in New Orleans. So 
just something to monitor. McCollum, they're not sure how long he's going to be out for. Najee Marshall will be back next game, just just a one-game suspension. But for the next two games, we know Jose Alvarado. So maybe there's an opportunity. But again, Matt Ryan is a name that you need to know for Jordan Hawkins and if and to check what his box scores look like and or just if you're watching Pelicans games because he's definitely a guy that took some minutes away from from Hawk here on Sunday. So just something to monitor there. Amita Brima, he's on the verge of holding an all-time G League record. How about this? So heading into this week, Brima has 332 career blocks, which ranks second most in G League history. He's only 14 away from breaking the all-time record of 345 career blocks. You know the answer to this. Uh, you are a basketball nerd. The record is is currently held by Rafael Putney. Maybe some of you recognize the name. He played locally in college. I'll draw this out so maybe you can figure it out. Uh, he played at this college from 2010 to 2014, and he's played in or he played in the G League for five seasons. He played at UMass. Rafael Putney played at UMass from 2010 to 2014. So Brima has a real good chance, obviously, to to break that. And he's had a heck of a this past week in two games with the Santa Cruz Warriors, 10 blocks, nine for 10 from the field, and 27 rebounds. He had 14 and 13 and five blocks and five blocks in, in the two games this week for the Santa Cruz Warriors. And he has a chance to, to potentially break or tie this record a couple games on ESPN Plus this week on Wednesday at a noon Eastern tip on ESPN Plus versus Oklahoma City Blue. Next day, Thursday, 8, 8 p.m., also against OKC Blue on ESPN Plus. And then Sunday, they're at Mexico City, 5 p.m., no ESPN Plus or anything. But let me give another pitch for the Warriors as to why they should call up and be to Brimo. Mentioned how great he was this past week, and he's getting 30-plus minutes over the last couple games now. Brimer, it's, 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 and obviously this isn't you know the only week he's been doing this. He ranks third in the G League in blocks per game with 2.7. And Golden State just doesn't really have a shot blocker. Draymond Green, he leads the team in blocks, but he averages less than a block a game, just .9. So they don't really have that rim protector. And I know that the NBA certainly is is away from you need a traditional, you know, big like that maybe, but it certainly can't hurt. I mean, who doesn't? What NBA team doesn't need defense where if you've seen some of his blocks, I mean, Amita will punch off the glass. And it, it just it gets it allows a run out in transition. If it's in the NBA, you give it off to to Steph Curry, you give it off to Clay, maybe. Maybe he'll make the shot. I know he's been struggling, but give it off to Curry, you know. He can knock it down, but you just look at this the past NBA Finals and championship teams for Golden State. They've had DeMarcus Cousins. They've had Kevin Durant. I'm talking about like guys that can block shots. I know we don't think of Kevin Durant as the guy that can block shots, but for his career, he's averaging just over over a block a game. He's a, he's a very underrated defender. I mean, he's seven foot, so he's going to block some shots. Andre Iguodala, Andrew, all the way going back to Andrew Bogut, Festus Azili. Like, they have had guys that have been rim protectors. The Warriors overall are 27th in blocks, and they're 21st in points allowed. They give 117 points a game. What does it hurt to give a guy a chance, Brima, to be an energy guy off the bench, to play four, five, six minutes, whatever it is, 
to potentially be in a situation where he can he can create a, a winning play, a, a, a winning moment where he can make a block, get the crowd fired up, something like that. And remember, this Warriors team, this this organization, they traded for Brima back on back on January eighth. So they must have liked liked him for some reason. Look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna overanalyze and say that like they traded for me to Brima so he could eventually be a difference maker in in their postseason run, but they liked him enough to take a shot at him. I mean, it's it, they felt some some good feelings towards him. Otherwise, why do you make the trade? So we'll see. But this is the second time now where I'm saying, hey, like the Warriors, they have some deficiencies. They have a, they, they have an opportunity to, to improve. And we're post the deadline, obviously, so they, they can't add anybody like this. And I think Brian could potentially be a really, really good fit here for the Golden State Warriors. And again, we're going to keep following this this record here all weekend until he breaks it. So Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday at noon on ESPN plus Thursday at 8 PM on ESPN plus. If you have that and you want to see him potentially get this record. And again, I, he is 14 away, but he got five. Uh, he's got five in each of his last, each pair of his last two games. So it could happen certainly this week. Kevin Alley made his NBA head coaching debut, long weighted debut. We remember back the days where UConn fans were worried if Kevin Alley was going to take an NBA job. And then some fans were hoping he would take an NBA job just to be away from stores. But uh, in his first two games, the Nets are unfortunately 0-2. Brooklyn, they have now lost four in a row, and they're just 2-8 and in their last 10 games. This past Thursday was his debut in a loss at Toronto, 121-93. And then on Saturday, loss at Minnesota, the best team in the Western Conference, 101-86. to And just... Uh, full disclosure, not watching these games, but just from reading some articles, just from reading some quotes. One thing that stood out was fast break points. These are not good numbers, folks. Uh, the Nets gave up 46 fast break points to the Raptors in Kevin Alley's first game, and then 25 fast break points to the Timberwolves in his second game. You combine that, that's 71 fast break points combined. Meanwhile, the Nets just had 13 in those two games. And to give you context, you may not know, you know, what does 71 fast break points really mean? Well, the 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 average fast breaks points per game leader is is ironically the Raptors, and they get 18.6 fast break points a game. That and that's the lead. So the league average is probably around 14, 15, something like that. And Kevin Alley's Nets have given up 46 and 25 in his first two games. And what does that scream? I mean, don't I don't think really that's be a Huge basketball analyst to, to figure this one out. That just means it's a lack of effort. I mean, there's obviously going to be some some situations where it's going to be a fast break point, but if teams are just going up and down, if your defense is just not paying any attention or has no care in the world, that is an issue. So hopefully Kevin Ollie can get this turned around, and I think that is probably when he looks at the tape and he looks at the film – I don't think you need to see the stats to know that, you know, you can just see it, see it there on video, how poor they are in transition defensively getting back on defense. So we'll see. And, and, and look, this isn't a thing that's been new for the Nets. They, the, overall, they've given up the 24th most fast break points in the NBA this season. But look, he's there to try to fix it. And he's hopefully can get it better. 
The Nets this week, they are at the Grizzlies tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern. Then Tuesday at Orlando at 7 p.m. That's the final game of a five-game road trip before they have back-to-back home games versus the Hawks on Thursday and Saturday. So four games this week for Kevin Ollie. Hopefully he gets that first one out of the way. As this team, they're still right there with the chance to get back into it, into the into the 10 seed, uh, and hopefully it starts this week. Also wanted to mention after Saturday's win over Villanova, Dan Hurley, he was asked what it means to have the alumni back because there was sort of a disconnect between the school and the alumni when things weren't going great with Kevin Alley and the AAC. But here's Hurley when, when he was asked this question and how he feels about it. Take a listen. It's meant a lot. I mean, we we, um, we, we embraced that straight, straight away. I mean, I, I, it was my my relationship with Coach Calhoun was uh, one of the most important things to me. And I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm, that, that relationship has helped me become a better coach. And it's helped me navigate this job as well as the relationship with Gino. Um, you know, navigating the, you know, Kevin's situation when, when he was let go and everything that went that went on there. Uh, there's a lot of healing that's gone on. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, we, we could, uh, you know, get, you know, at some point, you know, heal enough to get KO back and wish him, you know, wish him real well with the Brooklyn Nets and his opportunity. Yeah, it's right there at the end. You know, it, this, this just feels like it's a, it's a first huge step to get Ollie back on campus. Uh, Obviously, you know, time heals all wounds, right? Like that's just for anything in life. And I really hope that we see Kevin Ollie back at Gamble, if it's it's XL, whatever, but back at Gamble uh, to receive an ovation that he deserves. And I was curious about this when the day the the news came out that KO was – was uh, named the interim head coach. I, I asked, I sent out a pool, a poll in 144 votes, 71% of you are happy and want KO to succeed. 5% are mad and want Kevin Alley to fail. And 24% of you don't care either way. Pretty good numbers there. Honestly, 71%. Uh, I was a little bit worried. There's it's Kevin Alley is a polarizing name in the program right now. Uh, there's just a lot of people I think that are still bitter towards him, but Personally, I was I was a, a KO defender for a very like I, I still am I like I, I just a guy that played for the program that meant so much to, to the team. He won a national championship. You can say he, he did it for under Calhoun's players, which is true. But you know what? He got Amita Brian with the stores, and guess what? Maybe they they, they get bounced in the first round if Amita Brian doesn't have the and one against uh, St. Joseph's. So, and he still got a win all these games with these with these players to, to win a national championship so I was pleased with the 71 percent it makes me a little bit more confident that when because I do think this will eventually happen but when Ollie's back on campus that he'll get an isolation because I sure hope he does and I will be at that game and I will be tipping my cap and clapping for him and cheering for as loud as I can and because he deserves it we're going to wrap up the show with Andre Jackson, his minutes with Doc Rivers, and uh, it's not all that great. He's played in seven of the – so in, now there's been 12 games that Doc has coached for the Bucks. This is, again, through Sunday the 25th. He's played in seven of the 12 games. Uh, he did – Andre didn't miss one of those games because of a right wrist sprain injury. So really, when we're crunching his numbers, it's really he's played in seven of 11 games under Doc. 
Five of those seven games have been single digits, and those minutes have been garbage time, so not meaningful minutes. Only one of those seven games, he played first quarter minutes, and in that game, Damian Lillard did not play in that one. Andre played 18 minutes, which is the most he's played with Doc. The next night, he played 13 minutes, but his 13 minutes were – he came in with a minute 12 left when the Bucks were beating the Hornets 96-58, to 58, so that was really 13 minutes of garbage time. So the minutes aren't great, and this is what I've been saying. This is what I've been warning folks is Doc doesn't really play rookies. When uh, the first couple of games, A.J. Green, a rookie at Northern Iowa, was getting a chance to play, but the Bucks have signed – they signed Danilo Gallinari right before the All-Star break, and he's going to get his legs underneath them. He's, he, had, he did play for the Pistons this year, but he's in two games with the Bucks. He's played five minutes and nine minutes, but he's uh, – I would assume eventually he's going to get more minutes for Doc Rivers. Uh, Gallinari played two seasons under Doc, and he, had a, he played with the Clippers under Doc from 2017 to 2019. But in the 2018-2019 season, Gallinari averaged a career-best 19.8 points per game and a career-best 43.3% from three. You know, it's a guy that Doc likes. It's a guy that Gallinari likes to play for, you know, given he has his best career with him, I would assume. But, again, I'll throw this stat out there with under with Doc. Uh, he's played 10 rookies as a head coach with the Clippers and 76ers, and those 10 rookies have averaged 8.8 minutes per game. And in the seven games that – Andre has played under Doc. He's averaging 7.1 minutes per game. So very close to really his average, to Doc's rookies averages, minutes average. Just today, Andre checked in with just over a minute left in a blowout win over the Sixers. And he got immediately got a steal. No surprise. Immediately got a steal. And it was him and literally Thanasis. Like Thanasis was like, he got, kept getting closer and closer to him, like as if to pass to him. He wouldn't give him the open lane, uh, but it was just like, dude, just Deion, just get out of the way. Like it's there's many thoughts with him, but uh, happy that he was able to flush it home and and get on the scoreboard. So, yeah, not looking not looking promising for Andre Jackson's minutes in Milwaukee for the rest of the season, but we'll see what happens. That's gonna do it for this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed. It. Again, feel free to give me any feedback on this episode. Really do appreciate it. it. Would go a long way. So I'm trying to make again this content as as great as it possibly can be. Uh, I just feel like it's. I just I just really enjoy doing it. And and if there's something that that you the listeners want something done or that you like that's being done, please let me know. Uh, this page and this podcast really does mean a lot to me. So uh, that's gonna do it for today for this week. And go Huskies, folks.